Hey guys, it's Scott. I just want to thank you for tuning into the Blue Ridge Church podcast. You know, I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope it's inspiring to you. And I pray most of all, it's going to help you on your faith journey. So enjoy today. Hey, it's great to see you. I want to welcome you again to Blue Ridge Church. Welcome to our online campus. And if you're here for the first time, man, thanks for taking time out of your Sunday to be with us. I got, I got to be honest, I'm excited about this series we're kicking off today, We the Church, because I'm excited as to where God has had us for the past 12 and a half years and where God continues to lead us as a church. And, and what we're going to do in this series for the next couple of weeks is we're going to expand on what we talked about last Sunday and why it is that we can come here and worship freely, the fact that Christ rose from the dead, that Christ paid for our sin, why we can learn more uh, about Christ. And the reason is, is because in every generation, that first learning we had Easter Sunday, every generation, there's been a group of followers of Christ who refuse to grow comfortable in their faith. And if we're going to be that group or part of that group in our generation, then what is our responsibility as individuals and as a church. And the church is simply the body of Christ. And listen, God has done truly amazing things in, in the past 12 and a half, almost 13 years here. And I know what some of you are doing. You're doing the math and you're trying to figure out how old I am. And if you guessed that I planted the church when I was 30, then you are, you're correct. Uh, no, I'm kidding. We went from uh, just some history, literally 23 people that met in a hotel conference room, kind of planning everything out to a middle school in Christiansburg where over 400 people attended each weekend to uh, today, like 1,500 people on Sundays attend and are on campuses like 500. And I say that because it has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with what God has done. The part that has something to do with us is we've simply willing, uh, been willing to be obedient, right? To be obedient to where God leads us, to where God guides us and directs us as a church family. So this series is about what is our responsibility where we live? Maybe you live in Blacksburg or you live in Christiansburg or Dublin or Radford, Pulaski, Giles County, Floyd, Elliston, Charlottesville, wherever you live. Maybe if you want to break it down into those uh, you know, there's smaller areas. I live at Coyd's Mountain. I live in Eggleston. I live in McCoy. It doesn't matter. What is our responsibility to the people around us that we live beside, that we work with every single day? In our online campus, you're, you know, you don't live in close proximity, some of you, to the church, right? Some of you live in Texas. We have friends in Texas and North Carolina and Pakistan, a couple places in, in Europe and really all over the place. What is our responsibility wherever it is that we live as a member of the body of Christ? And I believe it's important that we talk about this on a regular basis because you and I are invested wherever it is that we live, right? We, some of us have houses, some of us have trailers, some of us have apartments, we have jobs, we've got friends, we've got places we like to eat and places we like 
to frequent, I'm betting that we like or we love where we live, right? That's why we choose to live there. Now, I, I love where I live, uh, not all the time, only in the summer, not so much in the winter, the older I get. So I've been praying maybe the church needs a satellite campus in Florida, <laughs> right? South, South Florida. And listen, my wife and I would be willing to sacrifice our own personal comfort and preach there live in the winter and then here live in the summer. Okay, I digress. I'm kidding. Don't start a rumor. We're starting a satellite church in Florida, but it's our passion for where we live that causes us to put down roots, right? We start working. We start living. Some of you get married. Some of you raise kids. Some of you have families, but it's that passion for where we live that brings us a little bit of peace and a little bit of comfort and a little bit of security in truly uh, this chaotic world that we live in. But I also believe we have responsibility to the areas in which we live. We have a responsibility as the body of Christ because why? We are Jesus's representatives. If you're following Christ, and I know not everybody's there, you're still trying to figure out this whole faith thing, and that's great. Keep asking questions, keep coming. But if you've crossed the line of faith, we have a responsibility now to be Jesus's representatives. That's kind of scary, isn't it, that he left us here to do that. But listen to 2 Corinthians 5.20. So we are Christ ambassadors. In other words, we are a reflection of him. We represent him. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. So here's learning number one. Our, our first responsibility as a church and individuals, we should love, encourage, and support the people around us. We should offer hope to others. We should help them to discover the hope that Christ offers. That's what it means to be an ambassador to explain that peace that's available to them, that hope that's available to them, that restoration possibly that's available to them. It's our responsibility to show the hope of Christ to those that don't have the hope of Christ. And as a church family, we've always been willing to do that. We've always been willing, you know, to follow God wherever it is that he leads, to reach out to those around us, to love those around us. How have we done that? Well, we create a place, this place, physical four walls, where people that don't have any clue about God or, or don't have a relationship with Jesus, or maybe they were hurt in the past by the church. We create a place each week that people enjoy attending, that they can enjoy comfortably and they can kind of go at their own pace. They can come as they are, right? No matter what. That's how we all came, right? That's how we all came to faith in Christ. We came just as we were, baggage in all, and Christ accepted us, right? As is. And we want people to always have a place that they can do that. They can just be themselves. And if you've been around for a while, you know the mission of the church. It's very simple. It's really simple. The mission of the church is to make Jesus easy and accessible to everyone. Make the message of Jesus easy and accessible to everyone. We want people to see, in other words, as his representatives, what Christ has to offer their lives. 
right? With maybe not so much of the baggage that for the past 50 or 100 years we've attached to Christ, that well-meaning Christians and well-meaning churches have attached to Christ. We just want them to see truly who Christ is and what he offers them in his life. We want people to be able to understand that Jesus loves them no matter where they're at in life, no matter what difficulties, no matter what problems, no matter their past, no matter the baggage they carry, he accepts them. And that's how we all came with just a load of troubles, and we gave it all to Christ, right? And he forgives us of everything. But do you know what God desires after we cross that line of faith? After we surrender our lives to him and we give our lives to him, he wants us to grow closer to him, right? He wants us to be willing to change, We can't just stay where we're at. Okay, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. I've punched my ticket. We've got to be willing to change. And that change looks like our character starting to change, right? Our character each day should be looking more and more like Christ. And really, that's what Jesus illustrated when he was here on this earth. You come to me however you are, but be willing to change. And just a couple of examples I want to look at today, uh, both from the book of John First is the the gentleman who was healed after 38 years of being paralyzed. And I want to read that. John chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city, near the sheep gate, was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he'd been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. They thought there was magical powers in this pool. Somebody else always gets there ahead of me. Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. So that's great. Guy comes to Jesus just as he is, lame, and Jesus heals him. He's starting a new life with Jesus. But then listen to what Jesus tells him five verses later in John 5, 14. Now you are well, so stop sinning or something even worse may happen to you. In other words, I want you now to grow in your relationship with me. This I pointed out, you need to change that. Come to me and grow with me. And then something very similar happened to a woman that was caught in the act of adultery. And a lot of you are familiar with this story. If you've seen the passion of of the Christ, you you know this story. But here's how this went down. John chapter 8. Religious leaders bring this lady before Jesus. Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. Uh, But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The oldest ones first, 
until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. And then he says this to her, Go now and leave your life of sin. So Jesus basically tells this guy at the pool at Bethesda and this woman caught in the act of adultery, it's okay for you to come to me as you are. Just don't stay as you are, right? Come to me as you are. Just don't stay as you are. Start to change. You know, he tells him, go and sin no more. Leave this life of sin. Go and start, in other words, the process of kind of straightening your life out and modeling my life as I point these things out to you. That's kind of the process. We come to Christ, and then we grow with Christ as he leads us. So what's our role, other than to spread this hope and this love of Christ, what's our role as a church family? Well, once people are here, and once they start that journey with Christ, we have to help them to move in the right direction, right? How do we do that? By teaching them God's word, right? Teaching them what God says, and this is what God recommends for our life. And people are not going to be able to move in the right direction if we're not active and involved in their lives. We've got to be active and involved and embedded in the lives of the people that God puts around us in order to help them on whatever path it is that God has them on. And and here, if you miss every single thing I say today, that's fine. Don't miss this point. He does the changing. God does the changing through his Holy Spirit in all of us. This is where the church, the universal body of Christ, has missed it for so many years. We think we've got to do the changing. We think, you know, we've got to be directly involved in changing a person, and then when they don't change, we get discouraged. No. We just create the environment and the atmosphere that enables people to be able to change. I mean, look at your own life. The things that change, I can look at my life and see tons of changes, right? You can do the same. You did not change because your wife was nagging at you or your husband wanted you to change or you don't look at each other or your mom or your dad wanted you to change. You really didn't change until you wanted to change, but it was the Holy Spirit prompting you to change because of your newfound faith in Christ That's what truly sets you on that path to change. He does the changing. That's not a negative thing. It's a positive thing, right? Every single one of us still have junk in our life that needs to change. We have things that we need to change in order to more resemble Christ. So learning number two, most people are not put off by the idea that God wants to change their character. I'll tell you what they are put off by is when we try to change their character or the church tries to change their character. Holy Spirit's job is to do the prompting and the changing, not the church and not us as individuals. We simply partner with God and walk alongside of God and do whatever he calls us to do as part of that process. 
So our dream and our vision as a church has always been that people would simply know that we love them, right? Because if they know we love them, they translate that to, well, if the church loves me and, and, and John loves me and John goes to that church, then maybe God loves me. I, I was talking to a kid yesterday in Texas and I said, you know, we're never going to be known as that church that we're against all these things. We're not going to be known for what we're against. We may be against things and not line up with something, but we want to be known for what we're for. And that's for people to know Jesus and to have a relationship with Jesus. Because listen, Jesus and his Holy Spirit can change people a lot better than any of us ever can and can ever imagine. And I think this is another area we've kind of gotten off track, not us personally as a church, but the universal church when, when we say, you know, we don't line up with this and we don't agree with that and we're against this and we don't like this person and we, we, we're not going to do that and that, it just sends the wrong message. When the message we should be sending is, hey, Jesus loves you. We love you and we want you to know who Jesus is. And, and when all you're saying is all these things I don't line up with, I don't agree with, what happens when people that live around us that don't go to church or don't have a relationship with Jesus, what do they do when they have tragedy? And what do they do when they have difficulty or problems in their life? They certainly don't come to the church because of that message we keep sending. We're against this, we're against this, which basically translate, we're against you. We've got the greatest message ever. We've got the most inclusive message ever. We've got the message of Jesus and we simply want people to know that message. Jesus loves you and desires a relationship with you. He offers hope, healing, restoration. He can put even the most broken person back together. If we can get people to that point to see Jesus and allow Jesus to change their life, everything else will take care of itself. And that's kind of the message we've tried to communicate for now 12 and a half, almost 13 years and other churches try to communicate that in our community as well. And you know what it does? It turns the tide of negativity against the church and people because there's always been this division between the church and people who don't know Christ. It's starting to turn that to say, hey, maybe the church does love me. Maybe God truly does love me. Each and every one of us, no matter where it is that we work and where we live, we have a direct impact on people. As a representative, an ambassador for Christ, the first thing we should be showing them is the love of Christ. And again, this isn't anything new. We've always been structured that way as a church, a church focused on the outsider. And we'll talk about this every so often, because if we don't, what happens? We kind of forget what our purpose is, and then we start to turn inward, right? And then all of a sudden, everybody that we're hanging around with and everybody that goes to church is already a believer, and we're not doing what Christ called us to do, to reach those outside of faith with him. That's why Jesus came. Do you realize this? Jesus came to this earth for the lost, to reconcile people to God through him. Look at what it says. I love the, how the King James puts it. Luke chapter 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man, that's Jesus, is come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's why he came. John 18, 37, uh, conversation going on between Pilate 
in Jesus. Pilate said, so you're a king? Jesus responded, you say I'm a king. Actually, I was born and came into the world to do what? To testify to the truth. All who love the truth recognize that what I say is true. Jesus came to testify the truth to those who were lost, were disconnected from God, that didn't have a relationship with him. He came to testify to the truth of who God is and who he is and why he came. So how do we continue to do this? How do we continue to share the hope and the love of Christ if that's one of the responsibilities of us as a church? How do you continue to be involved and active and embedded in other people's lives that may not know Christ? And it's easy. Just be yourself. Just be comfortable in who you are and who God created you to be. I think a a month ago we talked about just be authentic and real. When we're authentic and real for people, it breaks down barriers, doesn't it? It causes unity instead of division. The scary thing is, as an ambassador for Christ, wherever it is you live and work, you may be the only picture of Jesus' love they ever see. That's scary. You're thinking about the person that cut you off on the bypass this morning, right? And how you reacted to that. But sometimes that's the truth. You may be the only person that they ever see the love of Christ in. Their only example of truly who Jesus is. So just be yourself. That opens people up. It really does. That builds relationships instead of tears down relationships. And when you're real with another person, you may get the opportunity to speak truth into their life or just let them see the hope that you have in Christ and they catch that hope. So we spread the hope of Christ, the the love of Christ, because we want people who don't know Christ to know, hey, we love you. As a church, we love you. As an individual, we love you. Jesus said that's how people know that we're his disciples because of our love for one another. And that goes on to our love for other people and how we can love like Christ did. Something else we need to kind of get under our our belt, I guess you would say, as a church is we got to realize that spiritual growth is going to be different for everybody. We already talked about how the Holy Spirit's the one that's responsible for changing people. But my path and your path and, and, and this person's path and that person's path, they're all going to look different. Our spiritual growth is not going to be identical, right? And the church has gotten this kind of messed up in the past because at least the church I grew up in, there was a, a one-size-fits-all process to spiritual growth. You gave your life to Christ, now you better be perfect, right? That's impossible, God continues to point things out in my life that need to change. Hey, Scott, this area of your life, go and sin no more, right? As we're ready, God reflects those things and shows those things to us through his Holy Spirit. I really want you to start working on this. So spiritual growth is going to look different for everybody. When people think, all right, I give my life to Christ and now I got to be perfect, they give up. They stop pursuing God. They stop going to church. They quit having conversations with people because they're like, this is impossible. That's why when we come to Christ, Jesus doesn't just dump all that stuff on us at once. I guarantee you, you could talk to the oldest person in this congregation or, or the oldest person here today, and they would tell you 
yeah, the Lord's still showing me things in my life that I need to adjust and that I need to work on. We will never attain this, you know, the be like Christ, but our goal is to become like Christ every single day. We all come to the Lord the same way, right? Broken, sinful, in need of a Savior. But then we're going to grow differently. Romans 3.23 says this, For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in His grace freely makes us right in His sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when He freed us from the penalty of our sins. We all come to Him the same way broken and in need of a savior. But then we got to grow. And here's something else. 1 Corinthians 5, 12. What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those on the inside? So we're spreading the love and the hope of Christ to the people around us. We're recognizing that if they do come to Christ, that spiritual growth is going to be different from all of us. We're not to judge people outside the body of Christ, right? We can't set expectations for people, especially people that don't have a relationship with Jesus that are unrealistic or unbiblical, and we can't set those for people that do know Jesus. We can just help lead them in the right way, and we make sure we follow what God's Word tells us. Again, God's Holy Spirit is the one that's going to grow people. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 through 2. Do not judge others so that God will not judge you. For God will judge you in the same way you judge others, and he will apply to you the same rules he applies to others. And, and I've got to compliment you. You do a great job of this on Sundays, not judging people, not looking down and, oh, you're different than me, or you did something different than I did. Because, and I think that comes because we've always talked about that as a church family, but I think we all know what it feels like to be judged, and it doesn't feel good, right? You walk into a meeting, you walk into a new school, you join a sports team, and all of a sudden you feel this judgment. It doesn't feel good, and we know that's not what God desires of us. And you truly do an incredible job of that. And so what we have to do is that same non-judgmental attitude we have on Sundays where everybody can be themselves and go at their own pace, we got to carry that out into the community every single day of our lives. In other words, we can't be the, the judger at work. We can't judge at our school. We shouldn't even probably judge in our home. You can't judge people that listen to Maroon 5. You just can't. I know you want to, but you can't. But I'm sincere in, in saying that all the time. That's the feedback we get. I didn't feel judged. You know, people will comment about the church. And we've done since day one on the comment cards or whatever on Google, I didn't feel judged. I felt welcomed. I felt loved and accepted. That's our role as an ambassador of Christ. That's special. I hope you know that. And truly remarkable. Here's something else we have to be willing to do as a, ch a church. Spread the hope and love of Christ. Recognize that we're all going to grow at different pace. So don't be looking at the person next to you and saying, ah, you're not where you need to be. You know, uh, we're, we, we can't be judgmental. And learning number three, we have to take risks for those who don't know Jesus. Young people, they take risk. 
Have you noticed this? They're not scared of anything. But the older we get, we're a little less likely to take risk, right? We're more fearful when we get older. We've probably got more to lose when we take risk. But when we're young, it's like, heck yeah, let's do this. I'm not scared. It's the same way with the church. The older a church gets, if they're not careful, they're less willing to take risk for people who don't know Christ. So we have to guard against that because that's the wrong approach. We have to take risk in order to reach people. We've got to be willing to get out of our comfort zone. We've got to guard against comfort. We're going to have to continue to stretch and bend and serve and sacrifice and give and all these things as God moves us. I was trying to think of a recent example. Well, what was it six weeks ago we went back to three services? How did you respond to that? I'm going to tell you how you responded to that. I didn't get any hateful emails. I didn't get any negative phone calls. I didn't get any pushback. You know why? Because you embraced it. You embraced it because you knew this is what God's calling us to do. You stepped up. You started serving that third service so that it could be possible, or you started serving in another service to free somebody else to do that. You Maybe you had to get up a little earlier, or, or you slept in and you came a little bit later, but that's nothing new. This church has always been willing to sacrifice maybe their personal comfort, you know, for the sake of other people. And I get we don't make it easy to attend here all the time, especially when it comes to parking, especially parking last Sunday. But you know what? You didn't get all bent out of shape. You were patient. You smiled. You loved on people around you. You didn't judge them because you knew there are people every single Sunday that are finding Jesus, but there's also people like me who are following Jesus and growing in Jesus. That's our job as an ambassador, to tell people about him and to work with them in that process. Romans 10, 14 says, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? I think the biggest regrets that we're going to have, the older you get to my age, the regrets you're going to have in your life are those things you didn't do, right? Those things you didn't take on or maybe the missed opportunities. I don't want us as, a, as followers of Christ, a body of Christ, to miss those opportunities that God gives us. And if you think about it, once you cross the line of faith, Jesus calls you to a life of action. Jesus's last words were not come and see, were they? Those were his first words. Hey, come and see. His last words were what? Go and tell. So learning number four, once we follow Christ, we are called to a life of action. And I think about a lot of the risk that we've taken over 12 and a half or 13 years. And some of you, you're newer to the church, you don't know this, but we started in a middle school where we, every single week, we unloaded a trailer and set up church. And at the end of the day, we packed up that trailer and we closed down the church. 
we had a team of people who moved the kids' equipment and the kids' bounce houses into this little trailer that really the roof was not tall enough. And some people still have bruises where they banged into the stupid roof on that trailer. Uh, we had people who moved the speakers and the sound equipment and the lights and the soundboard in and out of that trailer every single week. And you know what happened? Because of the sacrifice, because we were committed to it and being Christ's representative in this community, it grew. And then in 11 months, we had to go from one service in the middle school to two services. And you know what happened after that? It was crazy. It grew. God kept sending people because we were offering them the love and the hope and the restoration that he wants them to know about. And then we ran out of space in the middle school. And so we all sacrificed and we served and we gave and we leased out a portion of this building. Where our kids area is now, that was the entire church, which was a big church. And we had three services in that lease space. And you know what happened? It continued to grow. And then after that, we're like, we're out of space. And, and so we bought this space and we did it again. We sacrificed and we gave and we served and we bent and, and, and it's still growing. That's all because we were willing to say yes to whatever God said to do. It has nothing to do with us. A hundred or a hundred, a thousand plus people have given their lives to Christ for the first time through your ministry in the past 12 and a half years here. Uh, over a thousand people have been water baptized, professing that faith. Why? Because, you know, we do so great at things? No, because we were simply willing to say yes to wherever it was that God led us. And we were willing to truly be his representatives and try to follow as best we can as sinful human beings, the scripture that says, this is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to represent me. And if you go back now and you look at all those risks, it was scary. Especially from my position, it was really, really scary. But you get back on it now and you look, man, look at what God has done. The risk was worth it. Right? And often that's the way it is. Those risks we take in life, when we get on the other side, it's worth it. It's just scary when you have to take those risks. But as representatives of Christ, we have to continue to take risk to reach the people we live beside and that we work with and that are in our families for the sake of the good news. I'll end with this verse, Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 5. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. I kept this verse front and center in 2010 because I was scared out of my mind what God was doing. I'm already amazed at what, the, what God has done in and through each and every one of you in this church. And I'm going to be amazed at what he's going to do in the coming years. All we have to do is be willing to say yes. Let's pray together. God, you truly are amazing. Lord, you're remarkable how you use broken, hurting, sinful people like us to accomplish your work. It, it just blows my mind. Lord, thank you for this church. Thank you for the churches in our community that continue to realize there's a lot of people that need to know you. Thank you for letting us be a part of what you've done in the past 12 and a half years and what you continue to do. 
Or do we want to continue as a church to share the hope and the love and the restoration that you offer? Help us to realize we are all different. You're the, you're the change agent in us. We're all going to grow differently, and that's okay. Lord, help us to do a deep dive into ourselves before we look to judge somebody else. And Lord, help us to continue to be risk takers for those who don't know you. God, it's scary at times. It really is. But we know that you're with us. And everything that's accomplished is because it's your will and you're doing it. Just help us to be faithful. Just help us to be faithful and hear you every single day of our lives to do whatever little step it is to the people around us that you want us to do. Lord, we love you and we praise you. Amen. As we finish up, if you'll fill out those connection cards, if you need more information about the church or there's an area you want to get involved with or you've got a prayer request, you can put that on that connection card. If you're worshiping through giving, you can do that uh, online. That helps us so much or the black boxes. Thank you for that. Uh, But I'm excited about where God's taken us, and I hope you'll join us next Sunday. Have a terrific afternoon and a great week. God bless you guys.